0: chapter three of madcap by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the ineffectual aunt. the two women had hardly reached the limousine before the vials of hermia's wrath were opened what a dreadful person olga how could you have stood him all the while he painted you we made out very nicely thank you hilda was right he is a gorilla do you know he never even offered me a chair i suppose he thought you'd have sense enough to sit down if you wanted to oh God, don't quibble he's impossible the countess shrugged it's a matter of taste taste one doesn't want to be affronted is he like this to everyone no that's just the point he isn't i think hermia dear and she laughed that he didn't like you me why not he doesn't like bath buns he once told me so besides i don't think he's altogether in sympathy with the things you typify how does he know what i typify when i don't know myself i don't typify anything oh yes you do to a man like markham from the eyrie where his soul is wont to sit john markham has a fine perspective on life yours and mine but I imagine that you make the more conspicuous silhouette. To him you represent the New York idea, only more so. Besides that, you're a vellum edition of the feminist movement with suffrage expurgated. In other words, darling, to a lonely and somewhat morbid philosopher like Markham, you're a horrible example of what may become a female person of liberal views who has had the world suddenly laid in her lap the spoiled child launched into the full possession of a fabulous fortune with no ambition more serious than to become the champion lady aviator of madison avenue olga you're horrid broke in hermia i know it it's the reaction from a morning which began too cheerfully i think i'll leave you now if you'll drop me at the blouse shop but i thought we were going no not this morning the mood has passed oh very well said hermia the two pecked each other just below the eye after the manner of women and the countess departed while hermia quizzically watched her graceful back until it had disappeared in the shadows of the store the current that usually flowed between them was absent now so hermia let her go for olga Cherney, when in this mood wore an armor which hermia clever as she thought herself had never been able to penetrate hermia continued on her way uptown aware that the change in the countess olga was due to intangible influences which she could not define but which she was sure had something to do with the odious person whose studio she had visited could it be that Olga really cared for this queer Markham of the goggled eyes, this absent-minded, self-centered creature who rumpled his hair, smoked a pipe, and growled his cheap philosophy? A pose, of course, aimed this morning at Hermia. He flattered her she felt obliged for the line of demarcation he had so carefully drawn between his life and hers as if she needed the challenge of his impudence to become aware of it and yet in her heart she found herself denying that his impudence had irritated her less than his indifference to tell the truth hermia did not like being ignored it was the first time, in fact, that any man had ignored her, and she did not enjoy the sensation. She shrugged her shoulders carelessly and glanced out of the window of her car, and to be ignored by such a person as this grubby painter, it was maddening. She thought of him as grubby, whatever that meant, because she did not like him but it was even more maddening for her to think of olga cherny's portrait which in spite of her flippant remarks she had been forced to admit revealed a knowledge of feminine psychology that had excited her amazement and admiration one deduction led to another she found herself wondering what kind of a portrait this markham would make of her whether he would see as he had seen in olga the things that lay below the surface the dreams that came the aspirations half formed towards something different the moments of revulsion at the emptiness of her life which in spite of the material benefits it possessed was after all only material would he paint those the shadows as well as the lights or would he see her as Marsac, the frenchman had seen her the pretty irresponsible child of fortune who lived only for others who were as gay as herself with no more serious purpose in life than to become as olga had said the champagne lady aviator of madison avenue hermia lunched alone out of humor with all the world and went upstairs with a volume of plays which had just come from the stationer but she had hardly settled herself comfortably when titine announced mrs westfield it was the ineffectual aunt oh yes with an air of resignation tell mrs westfield to come up she pulled the hair over her temples to conceal the scars of her morning's accident and met mrs westfield at the landing outside dear aunt harriet so glad she said grimacing cheerfully to salve her conscience what have i been doing now what haven't you been doing child the good lady sank into a chair the severe lines in her face more than usually acidulous but hermia only smiled sweetly for mrs westfield's forbidding aspect as she well knew concealed the most indulgent of dispositions playing polo with men racing in your motor and getting yourself talked about in papers really hermia what will you be doing next flying said hermia mrs westfield hesitated between a gasp and a smile i don't doubt it you are quite capable of anything only your wings will not be sent from heaven No from paris i'm going to have a blariat do you actually mean you're going to oh hermia not fly the girl nodded i i'm afraid i am auntie it's the sporting thing you know i never could bear having Reggie armistead do anything i couldn't everyone will be doing it soon i can't believe you're in earnest i am awfully but the danger you must realize that i do that's what attracts me she got up and put her arms around mrs westfield's neck oh auntie dear don't bother i'm absolutely impossible anyway i can't be happy doing the things that other girls do and you might as well let me have my own way but flying it's as simple as child's play if you'd ever done it you'd wonder how people would ever be content to motor or ride you've been up last week at garden city i'm crazy about it yes child crazy mad i've done what i could to keep your amusements within the bounds of reason and without avail but i wouldn't be doing my duty to your sainted mother if i didn't try to save you from yourself i shall do something to prevent this this madcap venture i don't know what i shall see mr winthrop at the trust company there must be some way the pendants in the good lady's ears trembled in the light and her hand groped for her handkerchief you can't hermia i'll not permit it i'll get out an injunction or something it was all very well when you were a child but now do you realize that you're a woman a grown woman with responsibilities to the community it's time that you married and settled down and took your proper place in new york i had hoped that you would have matured and forgotten the childish pastimes of your girlhood but now now mrs westfield having found her handkerchief wept into it her emotions too deep for other expression while hermia now really moved sank at her feet upon the floor her arms about her aunt's shoulders and tried to comfort her i'm not the slightest use in the world auntie dear i haven't a single homely virtue to recommend me i'm only fit to ride and dance and motor and frivol and whom should i marry surely not reggie armistead or Crosby downs reggie and i have always fought like cats across a wire and as for Crosby, I would as lief marry the great charm of Tartary. No, dear, I'm not ready for marriage yet. I simply couldn't. There, there. Don't cry. You've done your duty. I'm not worth bothering about. I'm not going to do anything dreadful. And besides, you know, if anything did happen to me, the money would go to Millicent and Theodore. I don't want anything to happen to you said mrs westfield weeping anew nothing will you know i'm not hankering to die but i don't mind taking a sporting chance with a game like that but what good can it possibly do hermia challoner laughed a little bitterly my dear auntie my life has not been planned with reference to the ultimate possible good i'm a renegade if you like a hoyden with a shrewd sense of personal morality but with no other sense whatever i was born under a mad moon with some wild humor in my blood from an earlier incarnation and i can't i simply can't be conventional i've tried doing as other and nicer girls do but it wearies me to the point of distraction their lives are so pale so empty so full of pretensions they have always seemed so when i used to romp like a boy my elders told me it was an unnatural way for little girls to play but i kept on romping if it hadn't been natural i shouldn't have romped perhaps sybil trenchard is natural or caroline anstel they're conventional girls automatic parts of the social machinery eating sleeping decking themselves for the daily round mere things of sex their whole life planned so that they may make a desirable marriage good lord andy and to whom will they marry fellows like archie westcott or carol governor fellows with notorious habits which marriage is not likely to mend how could it no one expects it to the girls who marry men like that get what they bargain for looks for money money for looks but Trevelyan morehouse Hermia paused and examined the roses in the silver vase with a quizzical air If I were not so rich I should probably love Trevi madly but you see then Trevi wouldn't love me he couldn't afford to he's ruining himself with roses as it is and curiously enough I have a notion when I marry to love and be loved for myself alone I'm not in love with Trevi or anyone else or likely to be the man i marry auntie isn't doing what Trevy and Crosby and reggie armistead are doing he's different somehow different from any man i've ever met how child i don't know she mused with a smile only he isn't like Trevy morehouse but mr morehouse is a very promising young man the person i marry won't be a promising young man promising young men continually remind me of my own deficiencies imagine domesticating a critic like that marrying a mirror for one's foibles and being able to see nothing else no thanks whom will you marry then sighed mrs westfield resignedly hermia challoner caught her by the arm oh i don't know only he isn't the kind of man who'd send me roses i think he's something between a pilgrim and a vagabond a knight-errant from somewhere between heaven and the true bohemia a despiser of shams and vanities a man so much bigger than i am that he can make me what he is in spite of himself hermia a bohemian such a person will hardly be found oh auntie you don't understand i'm not likely to find him I'm not even looking for him you know and just now i don't want to marry anybody i hope when you do hermia that you will commit no imprudence said mrs westfield severely hermia turned quickly Auntie, captain lunt of the kaiser wilhelm used to tell me that there were two ways of going into a fog she said one was to go slow and use the siren the other was to crowd on steam and go like H, hermia i'm sorry auntie but that describes the situation exactly i'm too wealthy to risk marrying prudently i'd have to find a man who was as prudent as i was which means that he'd be marrying me for my money that doesn't follow you're pretty attractive oh thanks i know what i am i'm an animated dollar mark a financial abnormity, with just about as much chance of being love for myself alone as a fox in November. When men used to propose to me, I halted them, pressed their hands, bade them be happy, and wept a tear or two for the thing that could not be. Now i fixed them with a cold, appraising eye, and let them stammer through to the end. I've learned something, the possession of money may have its disadvantages but it sharpens one's wits amazingly i'm afraid it sharpens them too much my dear said mrs westfield coldly she looked around the room helplessly as if seeking in some mute object tangible evidence of her niece's sanity oh well she finished i shall hope and pray for a miracle to bring you to your senses and then what have you planned for the spring i'm going to wake robin first by next week my aerodrome will be finished my machine is promised by the end of may they're sending a perfectly reliable mechanician reliable in the air imagine it and i'll be flying in a month the good lady rose and hermia watched her with an expression in which relief and guilt were strangely mingled her conscience always smote her after one of her declarations of independence to her aunt whose mildness and ineptitude in the unequal struggle always left the girl with an unpleasant sense of having taken a mean advantage of a helpless adversary to hermia mrs westfield's greatest effectiveness was when she was most ineffectual there's nothing more for me to say i suppose said mrs westfield nothing except that you approve pleaded her niece wistfully i'll never do that icily i don't approve of you at all why should i mince matters you're gradually alienating me hermia cutting yourself off from the few blood relations you have on earth from millicent and theodore i thought that milly fairly doted on me mrs westfield stammered helplessly it's i i who object i don't like your friends i don't think i would be doing my duty to their sainted father if oh i see said hermia thoughtfully you think i may pervert contaminate them not you your friends i was hoping that you would all come to wake robin for june i-i've made other plans said mrs westfield hermia's jaw set and her face hardened they were thoroughly antipathetic now that of course will be as you please she said coldly since thimble cottage burned i've tried to make you understand that you are to use my place as your own if you don't want to come i'm sorry it's not that i don't want to come hermia i shall probably visit you as usual thimble cottage will be rebuilt as soon as the plans are finished meanwhile i've rented the island and milly and theodore they're going abroad with their aunt julia i think you are making a mistake in keeping us apart aunt harriet why you're finding new diversions and new friends i must find new friends if my relations desert me and then after a pause who has rented thimble island an artist who will occupy the bark cabin my agents thought it as well to have someone there until the builders began ah uh, mr markham markham hermia gasped do you know him Oh. Uh enough to be sure that he is not the kind of person i shall care to cultivate and then as her aunt wavered uncertainly oh of course i shall get along i can't protest it's your privilege to choose milly's friends even if you mean to exclude me it's also my privilege to choose my friends and i shall do so if this means that i am taboo at your houses i shall respect your wishes but i hope you'll remember that you are all welcome at wake robin or here whenever you see fit to visit me having delivered herself of this speech hermia paused sure of her effect and calmly awaited the usual recantation and reconciliation but to her surprise mrs westfield continued to move slowly toward the door through which after a formal word of farewell she presently disappeared and was gone hermia stared at the empty door and pondered really on the verge of tears the whole proceeding violated all precedents established for ineffectual aunts End of chapter 3